0: Last week, uh, we started a new series of messages uh, entitled, How to Neighbor. And at least one of you sent me a message uh, in, the, in the past week asking if uh, I would be taking off my shoes and putting on my loafers and uh, transitioning from this shirt into a zipped up sweatshirt, uh, much like the beloved Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Um... <laughs> Unfortunately, I couldn't find the zipper sweater, so I won't. But last week, we launched into this new idea, this new uh, series of messages entitled How to Neighbor, and specifically a confession last week that I think we admit together that it's often easier to claim that everyone is our neighbor, that we are to love everyone. That's not wrong, but it's easier to claim that everybody is my neighbor, and I love everyone the same, While often neglecting to build relationships with and truly love those who are my literal, actual neighbors. If you missed the message last week, if you weren't available to uh, participate in worship last week, let me just encourage you, sidebar, side note, uh, check out our our website. We have uh, our weekly videos up there. You can uh, subscribe to a podcast, stay up to date. Uh, That way, if you're an audio person, uh, follow along, be a part of, don't miss out on uh, what's going on here at Hyde Wesleyan. We agreed together last week as a part of that first weekend's message that we should acknowledge that to learn how to neighbor, uh, we can take three practical steps. The first of this, the first of which is to know that God has us where we are at this time, at this place, for His purposes. It is not by accident. We say this often here at Hyde Wesleyan Church. It's not by accident that you are here worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ at Hyde Wesleyan Church on November the 11th, 2018 we we believe it in our hearts, in our actions. We believe that God has brought us here for such a time as this. Similarly, we believe that God has not by accident placed us where we are in the neighborhoods, in the communities where we are. We talk a lot about it in ministry context, about the calling of God to a location. I believe, we explained this last week, I believe in my heart of hearts that God has us, has you at just the address you are at for his purpose and we have neighbors right across the yard right across the street right across the alley the fence whatever it is we have neighbors that God has called us to love as ourselves. the second practical step is to know and love our neighbor and to do that we need to know their names and so we begrudgingly drew on a piece of paper a tic-tac-toe board and I challenged us to write down the names of the eight closest neighbors because we understand, we believe that we can't really love someone effectively without even knowing their name. So if we are to truly love our neighbor as ourselves, we need to know those neighbors. Third, we agreed together. To understand, to acknowledge, to know in our heart that God is the transformer and that our love, our seed scattering, the planting of seeds, the investing in relationships with people cannot come with strings attached. We can't simply love our neighbor by giving them an invitation to church. It's not enough. That's not, that's not building relationship. We We need to invest in our neighbor. We need to make them... What was it, Rita? What did you make your neighbor this week? Dumplings. That's loving neighbors. I think you should love your pastor and bring him dumplings. (laughs) (laughs) She will now, watch. We need to invest in our, our neighbors. We need to love our neighbors because we've been loved. We don't need to love them with an agenda. We don't need to love them in the hopes that they're going to become a part of the Hyde Wesleyan Church and become a tithing family. We need to love because we've been loved. Christians, if you're a Christian here today, if you've surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, you need to be the best neighbor your neighborhood has ever seen. You just do. If you've been cleansed, if you've been forgiven, if you've been loved, if you've been transformed by the renewing of your mind through Christ Jesus our Lord, you should be the best neighbor your community has ever seen. Amen? Oh, me? Today. Today morning. I think if we're going to truly learn how it is we are to be loving neighbors, I think it will be wise for us to acknowledge that there are some excuses that will come, that do come naturally with this kind of an effort and a pursuit Without a doubt, the biggest obstacle that we will face if we are truly to embrace loving our neighbors as ourselves. Truly, I embrace the efforts of investing into the hearts and lives and families around us. The biggest obstacle that we'll ever face is the obstacle of time. If you're human, and I think you are, if you're breathing, check real quick, Everybody good? Last week, you found it a little bit uncomfortable when I asked you to draw a tic-tac-toe board on your paper or in an app or wherever and write down the eight closest neighbors. A little uncomfortable, maybe, because you didn't know all eight neighbors. Now, I've had some conversations with some people who knew all eight neighbors. And I next to ask of you? You who know your eight neighbors. What else do you know about them? When's the last time you had Dinner? With them, when's the last time you did something nice for them, like took them dumplings? Step one is to know their name. If we're going to show them love, that's a great first step, and I encourage you last week to, uh, to take some time learn the, the beauty of the app, BlessEveryHome.com. It's not an app, it's just a website, but you can go to it on your phone on your computer at home. BlessEveryHome.com is a great resource to be praying for those in proximity to you. I challenge you again to be doing that. But if you're human, chances are it was a little bit difficult to write down uh, those eight names. Maybe it was a little bit convicting to know. It is to me. To not know all eight of my closest neighbors. But if you went beyond that and you thought any more about what we discussed together last week, right here in this time, at least once you had a thought like this How in the world am I going to have time for one more relationship? How in the world am I going to be able to invest? any more time into relationship with one other person, let alone the eight neighbors Pastor Stevin is telling me I need to have a relationship with. Welcome to the club. Confession seems to be a a revolving uh, reality around this sermon series and my life in ministry. But can I confess something to you again this morning? That there are days... In life as your pastor, they're, they're not just here at Hyde West Lane Church, but in my previous ministry life and, and here, there, there are days that are absolutely exhausting. I know we have this running joke, right? I love it when it comes up. And by love, I mean hate. When someone says to me, you're not, you, you're not very busy, you work one day a week. <laughs> Come at me, bro. <laughs> There are some exhausting days, Uh, right? We all have those exhausting days, but here's my confession. There are those exhausting days when I want nothing more than to sneak into my car, sneak into my driveway unannounced. I open up my door to get out of my car after I've turned it off, and I lock the doors before I shut the door so that nothing honks. Do you know what I'm talking about? Nobody has to know that I've just pulled into my driveway. I don't have to interact with any of my neighbors. I sneak up on my back steps Often I see my neighbors outside. It would be very good for me to go talk to them, share with them, invest in them for just a moment, but I want nothing more than to sneak up my back steps to the porch, get on the porch, unlock the door, get inside, shut the door, and disappear into the comforts of my faux leather sofa. (laughs) Does that relate... Like, we're, we're so invested in, in, in so many areas. We're so busy uh, that we, we've kind of adopted, I think it's a cultural thing, that we've kind of adopted this garage door syndrome. It, this is talked about in lots of my ministry circles. Lots of church ministries talk about this reality that we have uh, so succumbed to this idea. We don't have a garage in our house, but I've, I, I've lived in, in houses where we had a garage and a garage door where we can actually not interact with any other person all day if we simply open up our garage, pull out our vehicle, shut the garage, drive to wherever it is we're supposed to be, come all the way back, open up the garage, go inside, close the door, I never have to talk to another person in my close proximity. Right? We, we have that permission. We have that opportunity. I, I, I would say that's the cultural norm today. Sure, in the summertime, you're out mowing the yard and someone interacts with you and you have a real brief interactions, but the norm is that we kind of close ourselves off. Our, our castles are built around ourselves, our families. We know how it's safe inside. When sneaking into my house unannounced is my only goal, there's no shortage of admission to the fact that I've missed opportunities Right across the fence to interact with and love my neighbor. Let me be clear. I'm not confessing that I don't want to love my neighbor. I'm, I'm, I'm not telling you that I don't want to uh, invest and build relationship with my neighbors. Truly, I, I do. And I believe it in my heart that all of us, I, I think a majority of us have that same desire. We know that God has called us to love our neighbor as ourselves, And we want to do that. We want to uh, share life with, we want to invest and build relationships with those that are close. We, we know that we should, and we truly desire to love our literal neighbors as ourselves. But we say this every day. I just don't have time. Here we are, November 11th, 2018. The most advanced we've ever been as a society, as a human race, as a world. The most technologically advanced we've ever been is right now. Okay, and now it's right now. Now. You get what I'm saying? Here we are. We, we are right up against history, right up against the present. Well, this is it. We've never been this advanced as a culture, as a, a human race. We have all these wonderful technological advances. Have you ever just stopped for a moment to think about how bonkers it is, how, 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 how far we've come, even in just the last, let's say, decade or a little bit longer? Do you know what things you can do that you couldn't do 10 years ago? Does anybody remember Blockbuster? Here we are in Clearfield. We still have a video store, and I'm not knocking it, but here, the, the reality is I, I haven't been there. You know why? You, someone just said it, and I'm not allowed because it's a commercial. Netflix, I just did it. Sponsored, not sponsored, just kidding. We have Netflix, we have, we have the world at our fingertips thanks to the internet. We can find any movie we could ever not want to watch. Right, we, we've said it before that there are, <laughs> I've told you before that there are nights we've looked for a movie and all we've done is watch trailers for movies. <laughs> because the world is at our fingertips. 10 years ago we had to go to a store and, and, and browse rows of movies and find out if we had a VCR or a DVD player. Now here we are, 2018, any movie I want to watch. How about books? The first e-reader was an Amazon Kindle, it came out just 11 years ago, November 2007, the first Kindle, it was $399. Before that Kindle, before just 11 years ago, we had to buy these things called books with things in the middle called pages. To read something I, I still buy books, I, you know, what I'm talking about we, we have advanced that far that now We don't have to go and wait for a book to arrive. We can instantly download it and read it How about smartphones we can read a book on our smartphone? 2007 the first iPhone the very first smartphone ever some of you uh, like to pick on me and I like to pick on you about your dumb flip phone <coughs> yeah, Careful right? reality is we we have these tiny computers that run i mean that help us in life the 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 amount of things the the banking the social interactions the picture taking the video downloading and watching the things that we can do on this little tiny device oh and and i think we can make phone calls somehow i think it does that too somewhere in there isn't it amazing 11 years ago we didn't have anything like this in our life All of these technological advances and millions of others just like them have been designed from the ground up with one purpose, to ease our life, to make time more available, to give us more opportunity in life to do other things. But if you're like me, you've used these advances in technology not to become a better disciple of Jesus, not to have more time to relax or kick back, All of these advances have done little more for me than to help me fill up my extra time with other stuff to stay more busy to be more active to have more to do more to worry about more that causes anxiety every day and that's just like us as human beings isn't it one of the best worst lies that we tell ourselves is that if I just had more time I would be able to do whatever. I would be able to invest in my my family better. I would be able to uh, work on this project. If I just had some more time if there were just 25 hours in a day there just was a couple Sundays ago remember if I just had more time I would rest better and have more energy so that I could do more. If I just had more time, I, I would be involved in my church more. If I just had more time, I, I, I would take this seriously, Lord, and I would love my neighbor as myself. I would invest in them. I would get to know them and love them like you've asked me to. If I just had more time, if I just, had, if I just didn't have to, then I would. I would. The reality is, we've been given the same amount of time and all the advances that our little minds can imagine. And we haven't prioritized. We haven't utilized. We're still kicking ourselves. There's a story in Scripture right after the Good Samaritan parable. That continues on, Jesus' next interaction with humanity in Luke's Gospel, chapter 10. His next interaction is the story, this true account of his interaction with two ladies, Martha and Mary. And I think this interaction, this reality situation that Jesus is existing in, in this story, is just as telling, maybe just as convicting to us in our reality in our present circumstances today. So I invite you to look along with me at Luke chapter 10. Again, the Bible app's available for you. It's a free app. Download it. You can follow along with an outline in Scripture. It's laid out there for you if you search for Hyde Wesleyan Church under the Events tab. It's also on the screen. I'm reading from the New Living Translation again this morning. Luke chapter 10, starting with verse 38. Listen to God's Word. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a, a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha, verse 40, was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and she said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, dear Martha, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary, your sister, has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Do you see the similarities? Sermon kind of writes itself when you read a passage of scripture like this. Do you see the, the reality of, of, of this interaction, of Jesus' interaction with these two? In the, the, the ways in which we uh, as well have become so busy? Okay. These, these are just as human, these two ladies, Mary and Martha, are just as human as you and I. And we have only got six verses of this interaction that happens here. But we can imagine what, what it must have been like in, the, in this reality that happens right here with Jesus. Can you imagine the honor that Martha had in her heart? Can you imagine uh, what she felt like knowing that Jesus is going to be coming to her house? Can you just imagine it for a second? What what, what must have been going through both Mary and Martha's life in this moment for them to know, to acknowledge Jesus is coming for dinner. Can you imagine the amount of vacuuming that they were doing? (laughs) Okay, it's a little more relatable now, right? Can you imagine the, 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 the stacks of laundry and the, the laundry baskets that were being hidden in every cupboard in, in the house? Can you imagine all the toys being put away? Can you imagine the kids being locked into their rooms? <laughs> okay, maybe that just happens at our house when we know someone's coming to visit. Just imagine for a moment the hustle and bustle of work that Mary and Martha would have been about before jesus arrived again we don't have a lot in the story but we have in verse 39 we, we find ourselves in the moment when jesus has arrived and fellowship is, it has begun and we see this cast of characters that mary the sitting sister is sitting here at jesus feet listening to the life-changing teaching of jesus Let's admit that this is not normal. This was not normal in her culture. This is not normal for a woman. This is not normal in this household. This was not normal in the eyes of those who were even in the room. And yet, there she is. She knows. She's got to be centered, focused on this teacher, Jesus. And her sister Martha, the the active one, the doer, She's distracted by the big dinner, Scripture says, that she was preparing. This is the norm. This was a normal reality of the hosting woman. She was working on all the preparations. She's making sure that things are where they need to be. She's working hard to be the hostess with the... You got it. This was more accepted... This is appropriate in the eyes of those in the room. This is the cultural norm. This is what she is to be uh, about. And it's Martha who speaks up to Jesus in this interaction. Can you, can you imagine just for a second how awkward it was for her? Like how, how long did it take her? How long would it have taken you <laughs> to speak up to Jesus in that moment? Excuse, excuse me, Lord. Uh, what's her voice in the moment? Don't you wish we had it? What's her her voice like? Excuse me, excuse me. Excuse me, Lord. Oh. (laughs) No. Excuse, Excuse me, Lord. Do you see how unfair it is? Lord, do you see? Do you see what? Oh, my goodness. This powdered sugar. Oh. Can you imagine for a second? Her saying to Jesus, Lord, Lord, I am so busy do you, do you think it's fair for my sister to just be sitting here? Could you please tell her to get in the kitchen where she belongs with me, her sister? We've got work to do. We want, we want to treat you to something delightful. We want, we want to bless you, Lord. I think Jesus' reaction is gentle scolding is so powerful. No yelling. There's no suggested or assumed eye roll. It's just a loving response. My dear Martha, he says. My dear Martha, there's only one thing worth being concerned about in this moment, and your sister, she gets it. She's got it. She's not distracted. And it will not be taken from her. I will not tell her to get up from this moment. What Martha is doing... What the doer is doing is not wrong. Right? There's nothing wrong with making lunch for Jesus. That's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with being the hostess with the Moses. There's nothing wrong with with her investing her gifts or her talents into what she thinks needs to be done. But what happens in the story, what strikes me with conviction is that she's distracted with a good thing. And missing out on what God wants to do you catch that martha missing out on the main thing jesus her sister gets it she's missing out on the main thing even though she's doing a good thing missing the main thing even though she's doing a good thing here's what i want us to learn together this morning sometimes maybe often we are going to need to go against the cultural norm and create a space where we can build relationships with our neighbors. Sometimes we're going to have to leave the garage door open. Let's dumb it down that far. Sometimes we're going to have to find those opportunities, make those opportunities to stop doing what everyone else does, to stop being busy doing what everyone else does, to stop prioritizing me and mine like everyone else and know that God wants me to love my neighbor as myself. Let me take it a step further. This is a dangerous step to take, but you and I may very well need to learn to practice, learn to practice the art of elimination. As individuals, as families, I say even as our church, we will have to learn to say, to good things in order to say yeah to a God thing. You see it? Does it hurt? It hurts me. I, I don't like saying no. It's so uncomfortable. There's, there's such confrontation often that comes with saying no. But I've been learning this, even in the last few months, that there are things that, in order for me to be effective in kingdom service, I have to, we have to as a staff, we have to as a family, we have to as a church, say no, that we can say yes. You know that God created us with rest, Involved in our DNA. We must rest. We know what happens when we do too much with too little of time. We know the benefit of rest and relaxation. We know the benefit of time away. We know that Jesus himself, it's revealed throughout the New Testament, he had healthy rhythms in his life. He had a limited amount of time for ministry on this earth. But he regularly, scripture tells us, regularly took time to get away and be still. And in this interaction, in Luke chapter 10, Jesus reminds Martha that she could and should say no to serving a good thing to sit and be centered around him, the main thing. Now, a message like this often would result in a great opportunity to pass the clipboards and ask you to sign up for things. Or to tell you all the gaps in ministry that we have and where we need people to serve and people to help and people to step up, right? be a great opportunity for that. I'm not going there. We're going to switch gears in just a second. But what I want to ask you, what I want to ask you as your lead pastor, as your pastor this morning, is for you to ask God. Ask God what He wants of you. But where he wants you to invest your time, energy. Where he wants you to see the main thing. Maybe, maybe there's some things that need to be eliminated. I can't tell you what those are. There may be some good things. There may be some pursuits that you, you have felt for Generations are the pursuits that you, as an individual or that you as your family, need to be about, and God may very well be saying, "Not yet." Focus right here, right now, on this. Do this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Invest your time in building a relationship with this neighbor. Don't close your garage. Don't follow the cultural norm. Do something different this morning i want to ask you again how much how much like martha are you how busy are you doing good things you wear them like a badge of honor like i have i'm busy doing the lord's work lord i'm a preacher let me sneak into the comfort of my faux leather couch And God's saying, "Mm -mm. time out. Love your neighbor. Whatever it is, will you join me in asking God to reveal His desire for you today? Ask God to remind you how to prioritize the main thing. Will you do it?